This episode of Sleepy is proudly sponsored by ButcherBox. If you've listened to Sleepy for a while, you know that I love good food, eating well and treating my body right so that I can take on my days. Well, ButcherBox helps you do exactly that. They deliver super high quality, 100% grass-fed beef, free-range organic chicken, crate-free pork, and wild-caught seafood right to your door. It's humanely raised, no antibiotics or added hormones. They have a huge variety to choose from. They are excellent deals. They've got recipes and guides and tips included, and there's free shipping, always. Eating well is a huge factor in getting a good night's sleep, as is sometimes saving the trip to the grocery store and taking some stress out of your daily schedule. I have been loving these deliveries for those reasons. Been cooking up their uh, steak tips with eggs in the morning with butter and scallions and soy sauce. And I also made a delicious brine chicken roast with lemon parsley gravy. So good. The prices for this kind of quality and convenience is really impressive. Uh, yeah, ButcherBox has made me very happy. So sign up at butcherbox.com sleepy and get our special deal. ButcherBox is offering our listeners a free for a year offer plus an additional $20 off. Choose salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips free in every order for a year. Sign up today at butcherbox.com sleepy and use code sleepy to choose your free for a year offer. Plus get $20 off your first order. Butcherbox.com sleepy. Eat well, sleep well. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, my name's Otis Gray, and you're listening to Sleepy. A podcast where I read old books to help you get to sleep, and a proud member of the Airwave Podcast Network. I have got a wonderful, snoozy bedtime story for you tonight. But before we get to tonight's reading, I just want to thank all of our patrons on Patreon.com. So, if you've been listening to the show for a while, you might know that this recording sounds a little different than usual. And that is because I am outside camping right now. And all I have with me is my other very little recorder. So, if I sound different... That's why. But with the summer coming to a close, I really wanted to get out a little more into the woods and camp before it got too cold to do it at all. So I'd like to start off tonight um, by thanking all of our new sponsors on Patreon.com, which I've written down on a little note here. Hannah, Georgia Bartlett McNeil, Chantal Brown, Sarah Winfield, T to the Brew. <laughs> that was the sound of crab apples falling. I'm next to a crab apple tree. 
That's pretty wild. <laughs> I'm glad I got to hear that. Um, T to the Brew, <laughs> Noreen Brandich, Krista Crow, and Dustin Sellers. Thank you all so much for donating and being a part of making this show. And for those of you who don't know, all of the names that I just read are new supporters of the Sleepy Podcast on Patreon.com, which is this great site where you can go on and um, support creators and the work that they make, work that you like. So if the Sleepy Podcast has helped you you get better sleep or maybe wake up a little more refreshed, have a happier day, maybe consider giving back by going to patreon.com slash sleepy radio and donating even a dollar a month. You can donate $2 a month and $5 a month gets you access to a special Patreon poetry feed where I send you poetry readings twice a month just for donating. So, if the show helps you, consider going to patreon.com slash sleepy radio and I will immediately read your name in the opening credits of the next show just like I did on this one thank you and as always the music that you're hearing is by my good friend James Lepkowski and the cover art for Sleepy is by Grace Kana tonight um, it's a book that we actually started a long time ago when we first uh began doing these readings for the podcast and I'm very excited to come back to it because I was just looking around the house uh, books that I had that were in the public domain that I have not read for the show yet because we've read almost 70 books which is crazy it's a lot of books and um, and I saw The Odyssey by Homer and I really really wanted to pick it back up and keep going from where we left off so tonight a very slow, snoozy reading of The Odyssey by Homer. Which, by the way, I've also been recording video of myself reading these podcasts and trying to get them onto YouTube because a lot of people are listening to podcasts on YouTube now. So, if you want to watch the show as well, you can go to YouTube and look up Sleepy Otis Gray. You should find me under a little ASMR tag um, where you can see this story as well. So, now is the time for you to fluff up your pillow just how you like it. Feel yourself melt into your bed. Get real comfortable. Close your eyes. And let me read to you. Soon as early dawn appeared, the rosy fingered, up from his bed arose the dear son of Odysseus, and put on his clothing. About his shoulder he slung his sharp sword, and beneath his shining feet bound his fair sandals, and went forth from his chamber like a god to look upon. Straightway he bade a cleared voice, 
Straightway he bade the cleared voice heralds to summon to the assembly the long-haired Achaeans. And the heralds made the summons, and the Achaeans assembled full quickly. Now when they were assembled and met together, Telemachus went his way to the place of assembly, holding in his hand a spear of bronze, not alone, for along with him two swift hounds followed. And wondrous was the grace that Athene shed upon him, and all the people marveled at him as he came. But he sat down in his father's seat, and the elders gave place. That among them the lord Egyptus was the first to speak, a man bowed with age and wise with wisdom untold. Now he spoke because his dear son had gone in the hollow ships of Ilias, famed for its horses, in the company of godlike Odysseus, even the warrior Antiphus. But him, the savage Cyclops had slain in his hollow cave and made of him his latest meal. Three others there were, one, Euronymus, consorted with the wooers, and two ever kept their father's farm. Yet even so, he cannot forget that other mourning and sorrowing and weeping for him that he addressed the assembly and spoke among them. Hearken now to me, men of Ithaca, to the word that I shall say. Never have we held assembly or session since the day when godly Odysseus departed in the hollow ships. And now who has called us together, on whom has such need come either of the young men or those who were older? Has he heard some tidings of the army's return, which he might tell us plainly, seeing that he has first learned of it himself? Or is there some other public matter in which he is to speak and address us? A good man, he seems in my eyes, a blessed man. May Zeus fulfill unto him himself some good, even whatsoever he desires in his heart. So he spoke, and the dear son of Odysseus rejoiced at the word of omen. Nor did he thereafter remain seated, but was fain to speak. So he took his stand in the midst of the assembly, and the staff was placed in his hands by the herald Vicenor, wise in counsel. Then he spoke, addressing first the old man. Old man, not far off, as thou shalt learn thyself, is that a man who has called the host together, even I, for on me above all others has sorrow come. I have neither heard any tidings of the army's return, which I might tell you plainly, seeing that I had first learned of it myself, nor is there any other public matter on which I am to speak and address you. Nay, it is mine own need, for that evil has fallen upon my house in twofold wise. First I have lost my noble sire, who was once king among you here. I was gentle as a father, 
And now there is come an evil, yet greater far, which will presently altogether destroy my house and ruin all my livelihood. My mother have wooers beset against her will, the sons of men who are here, the noblest. They shrink from going to the house of her father, Acarius, that he may himself exact the wide gifts for his daughter and give her to whom he will, even to him who meets his favor. But thronging our house day after day, they slay our oxen and sheep and fat goats and keep revel and drink the sparkling wine recklessly, and havoc is made of all this wealth. For there is no man here, such as Odysseus was, to ward off ruin from the house. As for me, I am no wise as he to ward off. Nay, verily, even if I try, I shall be found a weakling, and one knowing not of valor. Yet truly, I would defend myself if I had but the power. For now deeds past, all enduring, have been wrought. And past all that, as seemly has my house been destroyed. Take shame upon yourselves, and have regard to your neighbors who dwell round about, and fear the wrath of the gods, lest haply they turn against you in anger at your evil deeds. I pray you, by Olympian Zeus, and by Themis, who looses and gathers the assemblies of men, for here, my friends, and leave me alone to pine in bitter grief, unless indeed my father, goodly Odysseus, despitefully wrought the well-grieved Achaean's woe in requital, whereof ye work me woe despitefully by urging these men on. For me, it were better that ye should yourselves eat up all my treasures and my flocks. If ye were to devour them, recompense would happily be made some day. For just so long should we go up and down the city, pressing our sou and asking back our goods until all was given back. But now past cure are the woes ye put upon my heart. Thus he spoke in wrath and dashed the staff upon the ground, bursting into tears. And pity fell upon all the people. Then all the others kept silent, and no man had the heart to answer Telemachus with angry words. Antinous alone answered him and said, Telemachus, thou bragger, unrestrained and daring, what a thing hast thou said, putting us to shame. And wouldst thou fain fasten reproach upon us? Nay, I tell thee, it is not the Achaean wooers who are anywise at fault, but thine own mother, for she is crafty above all women. For it is now the third year, and the fourth will soon pass, since she has been deceiving the hearts of the Achaeans in their breasts. To all she offers hope, and has promises for each man, sending them messages, but her mind is set on other things. And she devised in her heart this guileful thing also. She set up in her halls a great web, and fell to weaving, 
line of thread was the web and very wide. And straight away, she spoke among us. Young men, my wooers, since goodly Odysseus is dead, be patient. Though eager for my marriage until I finish this robe, I would not that my spinning should come to naught. A shroud for the Lord Laertes, against the time when the fell fate of grievous death shall strike him down, lest any of the Achaeans' women in the land should be wroth with me, if he who had won great possessions were to lie without a shroud. So he spoke, and our proud hearts consented. Then day by day she would weave at the great web, but by night she would unravel it when she had let place torches by her. Thus for three years she, by her craft, kept the Achaeans from knowing and beguiled them. But when the fourth year came, as the seasons rolled on, even then one of her women who knew all told us, and we caught her unraveling the splendid web. So she finished it against her will, perforce. Therefore to thee the wooers make answer thus, that thou mayest thyself know it in thine heart, and that all the Achaeans may know. Send away thy mother, and command her to the web whomever her father bids, and whoso is pleasing to her. But if she shall continue a long time to vex the sons of the Achaeans, mindful in her heart of this, that Athene, has endowed her above other women with knowledge of fair handiwork and an understanding heart, and wiles such as we have never yet heard that even of the women of old knew, of those who long ago were fair tressed, Achaean women, Tyro and Alamini and Mycenae of the fair crown, of whom not, was like Penelope in shrewd device, yet this, was at least she devised not art right. For so long shall men devour thy livelihood and thy possessions, even as long as she shall keep the counsel which the gods now put in her heart. Great fame she brings on herself, but on thee regret for thy much substance. For us, we will go neither to our lands nor else with her, until she marries that one of the Achaeans whom she will. Then wise Telemachus answered him, and said, Antinous, in no wise may I thrust forth from the house against her will, her that bore me and reared me. And as for my father, he is in some other land, whether he be alive or dead. An evil thing it were for me to pay back a great price to Acarius, as I must, if of my own will I send my mother away. For from her father's hand shall I suffer evil, and heaven will send other ills besides. For my mother 
and she leaves the house will invoke the dread Avengers, and I shall have blame too from men. Therefore, I will never speak a word. And for you, if your own heart is wroth hereat, get you forth from my halls and prepare you other feasts, eating your own substance and changing from house to house. But if this seems in your eyes to be a better and more profitable thing, then one man's livelihood should be ruined without atonement. Waste ye it. But I will call upon the gods that are forever, if haply Zeus may grant that deeds of requital may be wrought. Without atonement, then should ye perish within my halls. So spoke Telemachus, and in answer Zeus, whose voice is born afar, sent forth two eagles, flying from on high from a mountain peak. For a time they flew swift as the blasts of wind side by side with wings outspread. But when they reached the middle of the many-voiced assembly, then they wheeled about, flapping their wings rapidly, and down on the heads of all they looked, and death was in their glare. Then they tore with their talons one another's cheeks and necks on either side and darted away to the right across the houses and the city of men. But they were seized with wonder at the birds when their eyes beheld them and pondered in their hearts on what was to come to pass. Then among them spoke the old lord Halitherses, son of master, for he surpassed all men of his day in knowledge of birds and the uttering words of fate. He, with good intent, addressed their assembly and spoke among them. Hearken now to me, men of Ithaca, to the word that I shall say. To the wooers especially do I declare and announce these things, since on them a great woe is rolling. For Odysseus, shall not long away be from his friends. But even now, methinks, he is near and is sowing death and fate for these men, one and all. I, and to many others of us who also dwell in the clear scene Ithaca, will he be a bane. The long year that let us take thought that we may make an end of this, or rather let them of themselves make an end, for this is straightway the better course for them. Not as one untried do I prophesy, but with sure knowledge. For unto Odysseus I declare that all things are fulfilled even as I told him. When the Argives embarked for Ilios, and with them went Odysseus of many wiles, I declared that after suffering many ills and losing all his comrades, he would come home in the twentieth year unknown to all. And lo, all this now being brought to pass. Then Eurymachus, son of Polybus, answered him and said, Old man, up now, get thee home and prophesy to thy children lest haply in days to come they suffer ill, 
in this matter, I am better far than thou to prophesy. Many birds there are that fare to and fro under the rays of the sun, and not all are faithful. As for Odysseus, he has perished far away, as I would that thou hast likewise perished with him. Then wouldst thou not pray so much in thy reading of signs, or be urging Telemachus on his wrath, hoping for some gift for thy house, if haply he shall give it. But I will speak out to thee, his word shall verily be brought to pass, if thou, wise in wisdom of old, shalt beguile with thy talk a younger man, and set him on to be wroth for him in the first place, it shall be the more grievous, and he will in no case be able to do aught because of these men here, and on thee, old man, will we lay a fine which it will grieve thy soul to pay, and bitter shall be thy sorrow. And to Telemachus, I myself here among all, will offer this counsel. His mother let him bid to go back to the house of her father, and they will prepare a wedding feast and make ready the gifts, full many. Aye, all that should follow after a well-loved daughter. For ere that, methinks, the sons of the Achaeans will not cease from their grievous wooing, since in any case we fear no man. No, not Telemachus for all his many words, nor do we wreck of any soothsaying which thou, old man, mayest declare. It will fail of fulfillment, and thou shalt be hated the more. I, and his possession shall be devoured in evil wise, nor shall requital ever be made, so long as she shall put off the Achaeans in the matter of her marriage. And we on our part waiting here day after day are rivals by reason of her excellence, and go not after other women whom each one might fitly wed. Then, wise Telemachus answered him, Eurymachus and all ye are the lordly wooers. In this matter I entreat you no longer, nor speak thereof, for now the gods know it, and all the Achaeans. But come, give me a swift ship and twenty comrades who will accomplish my journey for me to and fro. For I shall go to Sparta and to Sandy Pylos to seek tidings of the return of my father that has long been gone. If haply any mortal man may tell me, or I may hear a voice from Zeus, which oftenest brings tidings to men. If so, be. I shall hear that my father is alive and coming home. And verily, though I am so afflicted, I can endure for yet a year. But if I shall hear that he is dead and gone, then I will return to my dear native land and heap up a mound for him and over it pay funeral rites, full many, as is due, and give my mother to a husband. So saying, he sat down, and among them rose Mentor, 
who was a comrade of noble Odysseus. To him, on departing with his ships, Odysseus had given all his house in charge, and that it should obey the old man, and that he should keep all things safe. He, with good intent, addressed their assembly, and spoke among them. Hearken now to me, men of Ithaca, to the wind that I shall say. Never henceforth, lest Skeptrid, king, with a ready heart, be kind and gentle, nor let him heed righteousness in his heart, but let him ever be harsh and work unrighteousness, seeing that no one remembers divine Odysseus of the people whose lord he was. Yet gentle was he as a father, but of a truth I begrudge, not the proud wooers that they work deeds of violence and evil contrivings of their minds, for it is at the hazard of their own lives that they violently devour the house of Odysseus, who, they say, will no more return. Nay, rather it is with the rest of the folk that I am wroth, that ye all sit thus in silence and utter no word of rebuke to make the wooers cease, though ye are many and they but few. Then Leocritus, son of Eunor, answered him, Mentor, thou mischief-maker, thou wanderer in thy wits, what hast thou said, bidding men make us cease? Nay, it were a hard thing to fight about a feast with men that moreover outnumber you. For if Ithacan Odysseus himself were to come and be eager at heart to drive out from his hall the lordly wooers who are feasting in his house. And should his wife have no joy at his coming, though sorely she longed for him, but right here would he meet a shameful death if he fought with men that outnumbered him. Thou hast not spoken that right. But come now, ye people, scatter each one of you to his own lands. As for this fellow, Mentor and Halitherses will speed his journey, for they are friends of his father's house from of old. But methinks he will longer abide here and get his tidings in Ithaca and never accomplish this journey. So he spoke and hastily broke up the assembly. Then they scattered, each one to his own house and the wooers went to the house of the divine Odysseus. But Telemachus went apart to the shore of the sea, and having washed his hands in the gray sea water, prayed to Athene, Hear me, thou who didst come yesterday as a god in our house, and didst bid me to go on a ship over the misty deep to seek tidings of the return of my father that has long been gone. Lo, all this and Achaeans hinder, but the wooers most of all in their evil insolence. So he spoke in prayer, and Athene drew near to him in the likeness of Mentor, both in form and in voice, and she spoke, 
and addressed him with winged words. Telemachus, neither hereafter shalt thou be a base man or a witless, if aught of thy father's goodly spirit has been instilled to thee. Such a man was he to fulfill both deed and word. So then shall this journey of thine be neither vain nor unfulfilled. But if thou art not the son of him and Penelope, then I have no hope that thou wilt accomplish thy desire. Few sons indeed are like their fathers, most are worse, few better than their fathers. But since neither hereafter shalt thou be a base man or a witless, nor has the wisdom of Odysseus wholly failed thee, there is therefore hope that thou wilt accomplish this work. Now then, let be the will and counsel of the wooers, fools, for they are in no wise either prudent or just, nor do they know aught of death or black fate, which verily is near a hand for them, that they shall all perish in a day. But for thyself, the journey on which thy heart is set shall not be long delayed. So true a friend of thy father's house am I, who will equip for thee a swift ship, and myself go with thee. But go thou now to the house and join the company of the wooers. Make ready stores and bestow all the vessels, wine in jars and barley meal, the marrow of men and stout skins. But I, going through the town, will quickly gather comrades that go willingly. And ships, there are full many in sea girt Ithaca, both new and old. Of these will I choose out of thee the one that is the best, and quickly will we make her ready and launch her on the broad deep. So spoke Athene, daughter of Zeus, nor did Telemachus tarry long after he had heard the voice of the goddess, but went his way to the house, his heart heavy within him. He found there proud wooers in the halls, flaying goats and singeing swine in the court. And Antinous, with a laugh, came straight to Telemachus and clasped his hand and spoke and addressed him. Telemachus, thou bragger, unrestrained and daring, let no more any evil deed or word be in thy heart. Nay, I bid thee, Eat and drink even as before. All these things the Achaeans will surely provide for thee, the ship and chosen oarsmen, that with speed thou mayest go to sacred Pylos to seek for tidings of thy noble father. Then wise Telemachus answered him, Antinous, in no wise is it possible for me in your overweening company to sit that meet quietly, and to make merry with an easy mind. Is it not enough, ye wooers, that in time past ye wasted many goodly possessions of mine while I was still a child? But now that I am grown, and gain knowledge by hearing the words of others, yea, 
and my spirit waxes within me. I will try how I may hurl forth upon you evil fates, either going to Pylos or here in this land. For go, I will, nor shall the journey be in vain whereof I speak, though I voyage in another ship, since I may not be master of ship or oarsman. So, I ween, it seemed to you to be more to your profit. He spoke and snatched his hand from the hand of Antinous without more ado, and the wooers were busy with the feast throughout the hall. They mocked and jeered at him in their talk, and thus would one of the proud youth speak, I, verily Telemachus is planning our murder. He will bring men to aid him from Sandy Pylos or even from Sparta, so terribly is he set upon it. Or he means to go to a fiery, that rich land, to bring from thence deadly drugs that he may cast them in the wine bowl and destroy us all. And again, another of the proud youths would say, who knows but he himself as he goes on the hollow ship may perish wandering far from his friends, even as Odysseus did. So would he cause us yet more labor, for we should have to divide all his possessions and his house we should give to his mother to possess and to him who should wed her. So they spoke, but Telemachus went down to the high-roofed treasure chamber of his father, a wide room where gold and bronze lay piled and raiment and chest and stores of fragrant oil. There, too, stood great jars of wine, old and sweet, holding within them an unmixed divine drink and ranged in order along the wall if ever Odysseus should return home even after many grievous toils. Shut were the double doors, close-fitted, and there both night and day a stewardess abode who guarded all in wisdom of mind. Euryclea, daughter of Opes, son of Sinor. To her now, Telemachus, when he had called her to the treasure chamber, spoke and said, Nurse, draw me off wine in jars, sweet wine that is the choicest, next to that which thou guardest ever thinking upon that ill-fated one. If haply Zeus-born Odysseus may come, I know not whence, having escaped death and the fates. Fill twelve jars and fit them all with covers and pour me barley meal into well-sown skins, and let there be twenty measures of ground barley meal. But keep knowledge hereof to thyself, and have all these things brought together. For at the evening I will fetch them, when my mother goes to her upper chamber and bethinks her of her rest. For I am going to Sparta, and to Sandy Pylos, to seek tidings of the return of my dear father, if haply I may hear any. So he spoke, and the dear nurse, Eurycleia, uttered a shrill cry, 
and weeping spoke to him winged words. Ah, dear child, how is this thought come into thy mind? Whither art thou minded to go over the wide earth, thou who art an only son and well-beloved? But he hath perished far from his country, and the Zeus-born Odysseus in a strange land, and these men, so soon as thou art gone, will devise evil for thee hereafter, that thou mayest perish by guile, and themselves divide all these possessions. Nay, abide here in charge of what is thine, and thou hast no need to suffer ills and go a wanderer over the unresting sea. Then wise Telemachus answered her, Take heart, nurse, for not without a god's warrant is it this plan. But swear to tell not of this to my dear mother until the eleventh or twelfth day shall come, or until she shall herself miss me and hear that I am gone, that she may not mar her fair flesh with weeping. So he spoke. And the old woman swore a great oath by the gods to say not. And when she had sworn and made an end to the oath, straight away she drew for him wine in jars and poured barley meal into well-sown skins. And Telemachus went to the hall and joined the company of the wooers. Then the goddess, flashing-eyed Athene, took other counsel. In the likeness of Telemachus, she went everywhere throughout the city, and to each of the men she drew near and spoke her word, bidding them gather at even beside the swift ship. Furthermore, of Noman, the glorious son of Phronius, she asked a swift ship, and he promised it to her with a ready heart. Now the sun set, and all the ways grew dark, then she drew the swift ship to the sea and put in it all the gear that well-bent ships carried. And she moored it at the mouth of the harbor and round about the goodly company was gathered together and the goddess heartened each man. Then again the goddess, flashing-eyed Athene, took other counsel. She went her way to the house of divine Odysseus and there began to shed sweet sleep upon the wooers and made them wander in their drinking. And from their hands she cast the cups. But they arose to go to their rest throughout the city and remained no long time seated, for sleep was falling upon their eyelids. But to Telemachus spoke flashing-eyed Athene, calling him forth before the stately hall, having likened herself to Mentor both in form and in voice. Telemachus, already thy well-grieved comrades sit at the oar and await thy setting out. Come, let us go, that we may not long delay their journey. So saying, Pallas Athene led the way quickly, and he followed in the footsteps of the goddess. Now, when they had come down to the ship, into the sea, they found on the shore their long-haired comrades 
and the strong and mighty Telemachus spoke among them. Come, friends, let us fetch the stores. For all are now gathered together in the hall. My mother knows not hereof, nor the handmaids either. One only heard my word. Thus saying, he led the way, and they went along with him. So they brought and stowed everything in the well-bent ship, as the dear son of Odysseus bade. Then on board the ship stepped Telemachus, and Athene went before him, and sat down in the stern of the ship, and near her sat Telemachus, while the men loosed the stern cables, and themselves stepped on board, and sat down upon the benches. And flashing-eyed Athene sent them a favorable wind, a strong blowing west wind that sang over the wine-dark sea, and Telemachus called to his men, and bade them lay hold of his tackling, and they hearkened to his call. The mast of fir they raised and set in the hollow socket, and made it fast with four stays, and hauled up the white sail with twisted throngs of oxhide. So the wind filled the belly of the sail, and the dark waves sang loudly about the stem of the ship as she went, and she sped over the wave, accomplishing her way. Then, when they had made the tackling fast in the swift black ship, they set forth bowls brim full of wine and poured libations to the immortal gods that are forever, and chiefest of all to the flashing-eyed daughter of Zeus. So all night long and through the dawn, the ship cleft her way. Thank you for listening to Sleepy. Good night.